This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're here with us. Real quick, I just, I just want to give one announcement. Uh, in your worship, guys, is this book. It's called a Connect Group book and list all of our different small groups. After service, you're going to have the opportunity to uh, go and join some small groups and connect groups and, and get connect with other people. You know, we talk about here all the time that if all you're experiencing at our church is, is Sunday morning, then you're missing out on the heartbeat of who we are. And we believe that the, the life transformation that you're really looking for is not going to happen in a service. It's going to happen in relationships. And so we want to encourage you to get involved in relationships. Find a connect group that you can connect in with and, and grow with some other believers. I think it'll be a one of the greatest decisions that you have ever made when you do make that decision. Uh, today, we're, we're dominating. We're starting a brand new series called Change Before You Have To. Now, I know a lot of us, we, 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 we want to go and change like when we have to, you know, like when we're on the operating table or, or when we have a tragedy in our life or when something something as drastic that happens that's making us change, there's, there's opportunities to change. But, but for a lot of us, there's some things that we know that we should be changing in our lives and we shouldn't have to wait until we get to the drastic situation in life to change. We should, we should make that choice before we ever have to. And that's really what this series is going to be all about is, is how do we make those changes before we have to that we know that we need to make now so that God can do the greatest thing He wants to do in your life and mine. And I really believe that God is going to speak to us in a pretty powerful way because I believe that a lot of us, there's some areas of our lives that we've been saying, God, you know, you got this little, you can have this portion, but this other part you can't have. And, and then there's some areas that you've actually been ignoring in your life. You've been like putting them behind the corner, hiding them behind some doors and saying like, man, I just don't really want to address that thing. And, and I don't know if you've ever ex- had one of those experiences where all of a sudden you recognize you need to address something. But a couple of years ago, I had that experience. And, and let me just say, as, as a pastor, and as a lot of you guys pastors, man, there's times that I'm not perfect. And so sometimes, you know, uh, you, you you have thoughts in your mind and you say things you probably should never say. I'm sure some of you guys have experienced that. And, and I remember I was out to, to eat with my wife about three years ago. And uh, and we were out to eat, and, and, and I made a comment about somebody, and I said, man, that person probably shouldn't be ordering that because they need to go lose some weight, you know. And, and, and my wife just gave me one of those looks. And, and if you're married or you, you have somebody that, that maybe you're dating that you're really close to, when, when a spouse gives you that look, like, and they don't even have to say anything, but you know exactly what they're saying. And, and I remember Shayla gave me this look, and I just read right into it. And she said, why are you talking about that dude being fat when you're fat as a bug, you know. And she had like, that was, that was what that look said to me. And, I, and so I went home that night. You know, and you have this, these perceptions and these ideas of what you look like in your mind. You know, I'm still thinking I'm in high school and cool and smooth and, and all that and look good. And I went and I looked in the mirror and I couldn't believe what I saw. Uh, and, and I was just, I looked at myself and, and I went and got on the scale. And you know, when you when you go past a certain number and it just comes up ashamed. Um, if you've ever gotten to the scale, and, and that's what Ma said. It said, uh, you should be ashamed of yourself. And, uh, and I saw that, and, and I thought, man, what, what's up? I, I, I better do something about this. And, and I'm sure that some of you guys are, have had some of those moments where, man, maybe you're looking at your life, and you're looking at your relationship with your spouse, and you're saying, you know what? With where we're at in our relationship, man, I'm going to be ashamed because we should be so much further along. 
Or maybe you've been looking at your finances and realizing that there's more month than there is money, and you're saying, man, where, where did all the margin go? Where did all this go? And you look at where your current circumstances are, and you're, you're ashamed in that moment. Or maybe, maybe you're looking at your kids right now, and you're saying, man, I, I thought I'd raise them differently, and you're looking at how they're going, and you're saying, man, I, maybe, maybe there's some things that I need to change right now, but you're ashamed. And there's all kinds of things that we can look at in our lives and say, man, I might be ashamed. And I, it was like one of those moments where the conviction of God just came on my life. And when the conviction of God comes into your life, it's like one of those moments where you've got to change. It was, it was one of those moments for me, and I was like, man, I've got to do something different. And, uh, and if you don't believe me, when I got to scale, I weighed almost 250 pounds. In fact, there's, there's a couple of pictures that we have here. This is me. This is my double chin. Uh, I, for some reason, I thought if I put on bigger clothes, it wouldn't, I wouldn't show as much of my fat. And so I was always wearing jackets and, and big shirts. Like, and, and, and then there was another picture. And this is when I was trying to do Elvis. I was in the Elvis in the 70s. That's <laughs> so what I looked like with hair. Now you all know why I'm bald. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where that picture came from. But, uh, but you know, I just got to this point where I was, in, I was just ashamed. And I, and I remember saying, man, something's got to change in my life. Uh, because I don't want to be at the hospital like I've been to so many times with families with a loved one that's sitting there in a heart attack and, and the, the spouse is saying, why? I didn't want me to be on that table and, and my wife to be, be looking and saying, why didn't you do something about this? And so I went and I saw a doctor and, uh, you know, I went there and they ran tests and I was weighing 250 pounds. I had 30, uh, I think it was 32% body fat, which is considered, he looked at me and said, TJ, do you realize that you're morbidly obese? by America's standards, and, and I said, oh man, that's not good, my cholesterol is through the roof, and, and, and I had a choice right there, I could, I could just say, you know what, I'm just going to ride this out, you know what, I've got this, I've got 30 years, what's another 30, I can ride out like this, it doesn't matter that I'm going to die young, you know, I'm going to die of a heart attack, but, you know, I can just continue, and I can change when I would have to, like when I'm on the operating table, or when I'm going in for a heart attack, and they say, you know what, you've got to change your diet, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, where I can choose to change now, and so that's what I did. I went and said, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. And I went and bought a gym membership, and I went to LA Fitness right over here in Coconut Creek, and I was even more ashamed of myself because every single person in that place is fit. I'm like, how did, how did fat people get fit when you start out like this? And I was like the only one there. And, and so I, I just went through this process, and let me just say, you know, it, it wasn't an easy process, but, you know, three years later, I, I weigh in the 170s now. I've lost 70-something pounds, and, you know, I'm body fat You know, I was wearing size 42 pants, uh, you know, and, and, and today I think I'm wearing size 31. And so I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to change before I have to. I'm going to change before I ever get to that point. Let me ask you a question today. What is God calling you to change? Because I believe that there's areas in every single one of our lives that there's, there's some things within us that God has been just hammering us and hammering us and hammering us. And maybe you don't even know it's God, but it's, it's been this thing like, I need to do something different in my finances. I need to do something different in my relationship. I need to do something different in my career. I need to do something different with my health. You've been hearing this thing over and over and over again. And my question to you is, is what is that thing? What is that thing that you know that you needed to change it? It could be something easy like those things, or it could be something much more difficult like an addiction. Maybe you, you've got a smoking problem, or maybe you, you have drinks, and it's not just like one drink, but it's like 27 drinks, and you realize, man, there's, maybe there's a little bit of a problem there. Or maybe you've got an addiction to pornography. Maybe it's something bigger than that. Maybe it's your spiritual life that you need to make some changes in right now. What is that thing that God has just been going inside of you and saying, you know what, there's, there's something that's just not right here. 
Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. Because I believe that God is wanting to do something different in us this year. If you want to have a different year than what you had last year, you've got to do some different things. You can't stay the same. So, man, I just want to, let's just take a second and just close our eyes and say, God, what do you, what do you want to do? God, I just pray right now that each and every person here today, yeah, that, Lord, you would reveal some area of their lives. Because I know we all have things in our lives that you're saying, man, this is something that you need to change. This is something that you need to, you need to change before you have to. Not, don't wait. Don't let it linger too long. Don't let it sit around too long because I've got something incredible for your life. God, I just pray that we would have the courage and we would have the boldness to step out of our comfort zones and start to make those changes because I believe that you want to do something in each and every one of our lives. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading this scripture and it was in John 10 and it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus is talking here and he says, and I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And when I was reading that scripture, it just really jumped out at me because of the fact that I believe a lot of us, we need to change, but we've got to understand that there is an enemy that is out there that's trying to get us to stay in our current routine. If you all haven't noticed, it's really easy to stay in the current routine, isn't it? Because we get in kind of a rut life, and it's just easy to stay going down the exact same path that we've been going down because it's typically the path of least resistance. But the thing is, is that this enemy, he's trying to keep us there because he wants to steal our plans and, and kill and kill our lives and, and destroy the, the future that God has for us. That's his goal. That's his objective. That's what he's always trying to do. And if he can keep us continuing down the path of least resistance where we're not having to face any of the issues in our lives that we need to face, then he's going to keep us from doing the things that God wants us to do. Because God didn't send his son Jesus just so that we could have a normal or a boring life. He came so that we could have this abundant life. He came so that we could have a, a greater life than we can experience on our own with Him. And so today what I want to do is I want to kind of walk through some things and say, how do we really get to this life that God intended for us to have? Because I believe that God has got something incredible to you. And I've heard a guy named Rob Kenneman say this. He says, he says man, I want, the, the goal is, is that, man, we've got to move from a state of vulnerability to stability to vitality. That is the goal for every Christ follower. And I really want to break that down and show us how do we do that in life? Because I believe that God wants us to have this incredible, incredible life this year, especially in 2013. I believe in God for some incredible things in y'all's life. And, and, and so we got to understand that a lot of us are starting in a vulnerable spot. We're starting in a spot where we're struggling and, and there's some things going on in our lives. And I want you to understand the definition of vulnerable. Webster defines it as this. It says, capable of being physically or emotionally wounded, open to attack or damage. Now, if you think about that definition, a lot of us are in that place. We're in this place where we're just vulnerable. We're open to an emotional attack. We're open to a physical attack. There's areas of our lives that when, man, when things seem to hit the fan, it's always in these same areas. It's always in these same places that we always have these struggles. You want to know why? Because we're vulnerable in those areas. Those are the areas where we have the most change that we probably need to make in our lives within. And, and, and God is saying, man, man, we can't just continue to walk down the, the path of least resistance because if we do, we're staying in this vulnerable place where we're going to get sifted and we're going to get destroyed. And I know this is true. When I was at the state that I was at, man, every time I would be driving down the road and I would smell Five Guys burgers and fries because I was vulnerable, my car just automatically took a detour there. <laughs> A double bacon cheeseburger was going down, maybe two, because you want to know what? I was vulnerable. I was unstable. And so emotionally, because I was unstable, how I would feel my emotions is I would eat. And, I, and, and let me just say this. 
it's up front. Man, this, is, this message has been about weight loss. That's just the thing that God worked in me in. For you, it might be something completely different, but we all have those areas where we're vulnerable, and, and when things come around, all of a sudden we get pushed towards those because it's, a, it's the path of least resistance for us, and it's just easy for us to stay there. And for some reason, I don't know why this is, a lot of us love staying in vulnerable places. It's easy to stay there. I don't know why, but we do. And, and maybe it's because some of us are just afraid of failure. We're afraid of changing. Well, well what if I start to do something and it, it doesn't work, you know? And, and that's what kept me from going to the gym a lot of times. What if I go there one day and I don't get stronger? You know, then I'll, I'll never go back, you know? And I, I was afraid to fail. Maybe for some of you, that's not the fact that you're afraid to fail, but it, the, the fact that it takes too long to change. You think about all the hard work you're going to have to put into to put a budget in your in place and, and start to live by those principles to see those things make a difference in your finances and you're thinking, man, that's, that's going to take a next year to get me out of debt. I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. But then you're going to live the next 50 years in freedom. Is it really that long? But a lot of us choose to stay right there and be vulnerable. Maybe for some of us, you're like me, you're just a professional procrastinator. You know, you just, like, always tomorrow. I'll start it. That diet's going to start tomorrow. You know, it's always tomorrow. It's just easy to procrastinate. Maybe for, for some of y'all, you're, you're just lazy. You're like, man, that's just way too much work to, like, talk to my spouse and have a good relationship. I, I'm just going to sit here and watch the football game. It's easy to stay in this place of vulnerability. It's easy just to allow ourselves to continue to walk through there. And, and the thing is, is a lot of us have become pros to staying vulnerable. To, to the extent that, that we'll even hurt the people that love us the most because it's a place of comfort for us. We'll hurt our friends, we'll hurt our family, we'll hurt our, our spouses or our, our brothers and sisters because it's easy for us to stay right there. But the thing is, is we're constantly being attacked and we're constantly being destroyed in those moments. And see, the thing is, is when we're in this vulnerable place, our problem is, is, is we have the wrong outlook and we have the wrong mentality in life. We're, we're not focusing on the, on the correct things. We haven't changed our mind yet. That's why Romans talks to us in Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible is telling us, Paul is telling us that, man, we've got to start changing our thinking if we're going to move from this vulnerable state to a state of stability and then eventually to vitality. And I was... You know, this past week was MLK, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and, and a couple of years ago, I happened to go to Washington, D.C., and I was at the Lincoln Memorial, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Lincoln Memorial, but it's one of the most awe-inspiring things, you know, there's a plaque there exactly where Dr. King gave his speech, I Have a Dream. It's one of the most incredible speeches in the entire world that he gave on that day in the 60s. I have a dream of, of equality and there would be no more segregation. And I mean, it just it transformed a, a, a culture. But the reality is, is, is that speech was, was the, the icing on the cake of everything that he had done up to that point. Because up until that point, all Dr. King had done, if you go back and you watch his sermons and you listen to his speeches, is all he was doing was changing the mentality of the people. He was saying, listen, you were, you were created for more than where you are today. You have a greater purpose and a greater plan than, than to be thought of as low. But, man, God has got something better for you. You need to start changing how you see yourself. You can't just believe what everybody's told you. You can't believe what the world has told you. But you've got to start believing that God has got something better for you. And you know what? Today, some of you guys, you need to start recognizing that you can't believe what your friends have told you. You can't believe what your family's told you. You've got to start believing what God's told you. You've got to start believing that God has got something bigger. He's got something greater. He's got something more outstanding than you can even think or imagine. And you're going to get past this place of, I'm a victim and it's, oh, woe is me. 
week, but God has got something better. We're going to get out of this vulnerable position, and we're going to start to move into this place of stability. We're going to start to move to this place of where, where the definition of stability is to the strength to stand or endure. The property of a body that causes it when it's disturbed from a condition of equilibrium or steady motion to develop forces or moments that restore the original condition. You know, stability is a lot of things. That's what everybody's looking at. I just want a stable life. I want, a, I want an easy life. But God hasn't been called to a stable life because if you read that definition, there's a chance of failure there still. Because it's kind of like vulnerability is standing on one foot and I'm not very good at balancing. And so if you come and push me on one foot, what am I going to do? I'm going to fall because I'm vulnerable. Stable is since I got two feet down and I'm pretty good, but you shove me, I'm going to stumble a little bit. I'm not going to fall, but I'm going to stumble because there's still a chance of me failing in that moment. And so we've got to recognize that, that God is trying to take us from this place of vulnerability where it's really easy to push us over to some stability where we're starting to put actions into place. Where we're starting to do something, we're starting to change and form some habits in our life because that's what he's trying to do inside of us this year. He's trying to form some habits that are going to take us to the place that he wants us to be, which is this more abundant life. And I, and I was reading this week about this lady named Dr. Carol Lee. She's a psychologist and physiologist and and, and she, she said some really interesting things, and I wish I could actually quote her exactly, but I, I don't do a really good job. Um, so I'm just going to kind of say in a nutshell what she says here. She says, we have got to understand our thoughts. There's positive thoughts and there's negative thoughts. They're going to always be bombarding us. But what happens is when those thoughts bombard us, we have to address those thoughts. We have to take the thoughts and say, man, is this a thought that I want to act on or is this a thought I want to throw away? And a lot of times, those vulnerable thoughts, because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's throwing those thoughts at us all the time. He's trying to get us these negative thoughts. You're not good enough. You can't do this, man. You're just going to be the same. You're going to be a loser. You're going to amount to nothing. He's constantly throwing all that stuff at us. You're never going to have a good marriage. You're never going to get out of debt, man. You're going to be alone for the rest of your life. He's constantly telling us all this stuff. And so what happens a lot of times is we take that and start adopting those thoughts. We grab those thoughts and we say, I'm going to act on these. I'm always going to be alone. And then we go suck in our thumb in the corner. Instead, we, she says, we've got to start, start grabbing those thoughts and we've got to start acting on new thoughts. We've got to start saying, you know what, that's not the correct thought. You know, for me, it was, you know what, I need to go to the gym. And so every day I'm going to wake up and my one thought is, is I, I need to go to the gym. That's my only thought. That's, that's the first that I, I just need to go to the gym. I, when I get there, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go there. I'll figure it out when I get there. And you know what, over time, I started developing a pattern in my life. And she says that it takes 21 to 30 days to develop a pattern. And what she says is that, she says, actually, uh, neuro neurologically, in your, I can't even say that word, you get what I'm saying though. She says, in your, in your brain, there's the synapses that are going in, and they form habits. And basically what happens is you have this negative thought pattern that's going through your brain. When you start creating new habits, what happens is a new synapse starts to break off of that. And as it starts going in a new direction, what happens is this old pattern is that it physically, that part of your brain starts to die. So what she's saying is she's saying you can go from this place of stability and start changing your thoughts and all of a sudden your old ways will start to die and your new ways will start to become second nature to you. So instead of going for the cheeseburger now, I go for the carrot stick because I've adapted my thinking thanks to my vegetarian friends up in this church. And see, what, what happens is, is, is the stability places are starting to create and form a habit in us because the reality is, is stability is really just a stepping stone to us getting to this place of vitality. 
which is where God wants us to be. He wants us to be in a state of vitality. And the definition, one of the definitions for vitality is this place of strength. It's saying, man, God didn't just design us just for just to be normal or to be average, but he wants us to be a person of strength. That's what we go back to that John 10, 10 verse that says, I am coming to give you life. And not just life, not just ordinary, not just normal, not just what a lot of us are experiencing, but he says, I'm coming to give you more abundant life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a normal or ordinary mundane life. I want to live a more abundant life. Because if Jesus said I got a more abundant life, I'm going to take him and I'm going to say, you know what? I want a more abundant life. I want the greater aspect of that. And that more abundant, what it means is it, it literally means a super abundance. It's kind of like a three-year-old. If you've ever been around a three-year-old with a lot of energy, uh, which I was recently in Nashville and we were at a friend's house, and it was about 9 o'clock and it was time for the three-year-old to go to bed. The problem was is that kid was still doing laps around the house at about 30 miles an hour. And I was like, does, does he ever run out of energy? They're like, no. I was like, there's, there's something wrong with that. You know, I'm lacking energy. He has more than enough. We should just, like, we should sack some of that and give some of that to me. He would hook me up, you know. But, you know, you think about that fear, you're like, why do they have a super abundance? Because they don't know that they should. You know, we've been told all along that we shouldn't and we can't and we're not able to. But the reality is, is dude, that's, that's a lie. God never said you can't. God never said you, you don't have that ability. He said, we'll do greater things because of him. We'll have greater things happen in our lives. And we need to recognize, man, that, that God has got something greater for our lives. And let me just ask you, does, does this abundance reflect your relationships right now? Do you feel like, man, I've got an abundance in my relationships? Does this, does this reflect your health right now? Man, am I living in this abundance? It, does this reflect your finances right now? And it's not about money. It's, it's about, you know, quality of life and all those things. I mean, do these areas of your life, as you're looking at them, do they reflect this more abundant life? Because God says, man, you were created for more. He didn't call us to a life of vulnerability. He didn't call us to a life of stability. He called us to a life of vitality. I was reading this past week in, in, uh, in the Old Testament through the one-year Bible reading plan, and I was reading about the story of, of, of Joshua, and I didn't have enough room to put it all in your notes, so I'm just going to kind of gonna give you the gist of it. Uh, basically, Joshua was, was the right-hand guy to a guy named Moses. If you've all seen the movie The Ten Commandments with Charles and Heston, okay, his right-hand man, Moses' right-hand man, was a guy named Joshua, and and Moses is leading the people of Israel into the promised land, and they're in the desert, and uh, he, he knows that the promised land has crossed the Jordan River, and he says, you know what, I'm going to send some guys over to check out this promised land, because God has given us this incredible promise that this is going to be a land flowing with milk and honey, it's going to be more than enough, it's all this great stuff, and so he selects Joshua and a guy named Caleb and ten other guys, he selects one from each tribe, and he says, hey, I want you to go spy on this land. And so these guys go over there, and because Joshua and Caleb uh, heard the promises of God and they believed God, they went over there and they didn't see the giants in the land. They didn't see the walls around. They looked around and they saw the milk and they saw the honey and they said, man, this is the most awesome place I've ever been to in my life. It's like Disney World on steroids. And we've got to go. It's going to be awesome and incredible. Man, they just waiting for the take. Like, those people are scared to death of us. And, and, and so they had this promise and they were living it up and they were like, man, that's what it's all about. But the other ten guys, when they went across, they just saw what, what the obstacles were. They saw the giants that were there in the land. They saw the walls that were there in the land. They saw, they saw how ferocious the warriors of these other people were. And they came back and they each gave some different reports. The ten dudes came back and I said, there's, there's no way in the world we could ever take that land, man. 
There's giants in the land. There's wolves in that land. Man, there's all kinds of obstacles. There's all kinds of barriers. You know, we're just smaller people. There's no way we're going to make that. Joshua and Caleb came back and they're like, man, we got this. Let's go. Like, we can ride dirty right now. We'll go there. We'll be there about 1230. We'll roll up. They'll just run away. It'll be awesome. And, and Moses is like, man, i got to go with the majority. He took the vote. That's why we don't vote. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and do God's will. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Voting never wins. Uh, and so what happens is, is this entire generation is down on the promises of God. And when that generation died, eventually Joshua and Caleb ended up going and leading the children of Israel to the promised land. And, and uh, they, didn't, they didn't just go and they went and they took the land with ease. They ended up getting all the benefits that was originally promised to them. And you know what? So many times in life, this story is a great way for us to see it because God has given us some incredible things. He's saying, I want you to have a more abundant life. But you know what? There's always going to be some haters. There's always going to be some people that are going to tell you you can't. Have you ever noticed that when you're trying to, to move to the next level of life, there's always some people that are trying to pull you back. And we've got to recognize, man, we can't listen to what other people say. We've got to listen to what God says. We've got to listen to His Word because His Word is yes and amen every single time. There is no, there is no if, and, buts. It's if, yes. And we start listening to haters, man. We always miss out on what God has for our lives. And we wonder why we're not living this, vitality, this, this life of vitality because we've been listening to other people instead of listening to God. And listen, there's going to be some giants in the land. There's going to be some obstacles in the land. But here's the deal, man. We just need to go take the land anyways. Because every time we go and take the land, that shows God's strong and not us. Because when you see your obstacles and when you see your problems, you don't need to let your problems talk to you. You need to let God talk to your problems. And he'll tell them what's up. Because he's pretty big. He's pretty dominant. He wins every battle. He goes in. And here, here, here's the greatest piece out of it all. Everything that you're facing today, somebody has already overcome you think about Jared from Subway. That dude was like 400 pounds, wasn't he? He ate some stuff. He's skinny now. Think about Josh Hamilton. Just signed a $150 million baseball contract. At one point, he was a, he was a co-pay. And now he's living on top of the world. Said so it couldn't be done. Think about Dave Ramsey. who's given all of us his financial advice now. How do you get free and, and live, this, live this prosperous life? At one point, he was broke. And, and it was in debt for almost a million dollars. Listen, whatever you're going through, somebody's already been through it. That should give us hope because if God did it for them, He can do it for us. Amen. And we need to recognize, man, that God, God has called us not to just live a normal life. God hasn't just called us to live a, a, a boring life, but He's called us to live this life of abundance. And, and so my, my question is, is, man, what land is God calling you to go and take tonight? What land is God calling you to step out in? And how do you step out of that land and really seize the moment of today? And I think it's pretty easy. And James gives us a great way of looking at this. If you look at James chapter 4, 13 through 17, it says, Now listen, you who said, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this city, to this or that city, and spend a year there, and carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a midst that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you want to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. I, I, I love James because James is just straight up. He just tells you how it is. No, no, you know, no rainbows and butterflies, cherry on top. He's just like, listen. He basically says, man, if you know something good and you don't do it, you, you jack it up. And basically what he's saying is he's saying, you stop saying Stop saying, you know what, I'm going to turn when. I'm going to do this someday. 
I'm going to do this someday. Anybody have this someday syndrome? I, I have this someday syndrome for a long time. For almost 10 years, I was saying, you know what, someday I'm going to get in shape. But you know what, at some point, we all need to say, you know what, I'm going to turn winning to now. I'm going to turn winning to now. I'm not going to keep living in, in someday. You know, when, when I get that raise, I'm going to get my finances in order. You know what, someday I'm going to spend more time with my kids. You know, they, you know, right now they're too young. They, they don't really know. So someday later on, when I get some more time, I'll, I'll have time for them. You know what, someday, someday I'm going to really try to escalate my career. And, and we live in this someday syndrome. And, and, and someday, just, if you haven't noticed, it never comes. Someday is just always the next day out. And instead of waiting for someday, we just need to start now. You know, the Bible tells us, today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Not tomorrow, today. That's why we got to turn our when to the now. we got to do it now. We can't wait another day. We can't wait another hour. Because we don't know how many of those we have. But you know what we do have? We have right now. We have right now to step up and change something before we have to. We can do it right now in our lives. You know, today is the day that I believe that God is speaking to you. He's not telling you three weeks from now to stop that affair. He's not telling you, you know what, in, in, in two weeks and on the second Saturday after the Super Bowl, that's when you start your diet. No, he's saying, no, do something today. Do something today. Let's, let's not wait another day. Let's not tarry another hour. Let's move forward and let's start making some change in our lives right now before we have to. Before something causes a, a catastrophe to happen in our lives and forces us to make a change. When we can make a change right now and start moving towards this abundant life that God has called us to. And so we need to, we need to, we need to know uh, that we need to make that change today. We need to turn that wind to now. Then we need to turn our attentions into actions. We need to turn our intentions into actions. Because chances are, if you're like me and you're like most people, we have some pretty awesome intentions. Anybody else have some really good intentions? Like, I, I, man, I've had some incredible intentions, and they are so good, and I've never done them. <laughs> why haven't we gotten around to doing them? I mean, I'm asking myself the same question. Why haven't I gotten around to doing this? You know, going back, anyone who knows the good, he ought to do He doesn't do his sins. You know what the Bible says? That when we have good intentions and things we should be doing and we don't do them, you know what that's called? It's called sin. I know I said the S word church. Y'all are getting wrong. He's getting in my stuff. No, man, we, we jack it up, we mess it up, we're missing the mark. God has a mark for our life. And when we don't do what He's calling us to do, we sin. We sin. We miss it. And today, we need to stop having some great ideas and some grand plans. And we need to step out of that purpose and that destiny that God has for us. Some of you, God, God's calling you to step out and start a business. And you've been like, oh man, I don't, I don't know. Man, man, someday, you know, I, you know, I have this dream of this business. No, today. Some of you, it's your spiritual life. You know, I, man, I've been thinking about doing this God thing. No, today's the day you need to find Christ. Don't waste another day. Don't just have good intentions. Let's turn those intentions into actions. Let's do something. Because this is what I know. When, when we start showing up and do something, God always shows up. I'll tell you what, that first day at the gym, that was hard. Like, lifting those weights, I couldn't walk for like four days. You know what, but I just kept showing up at the gym. I didn't do anything, I just watched people, but it was good. <laughs> we got to turn our attentions into actions. we got to turn our wins into now. 
most of all, man, we've got to turn our whole heart towards Jesus. We've got to turn our whole heart towards Jesus. Let me just tell you what I think the, the problem is today. I think the problem is today is that a lot of us, we're just turning a portion of our lives towards Jesus. Kind of like we're in flu season right now. Everybody's getting the flu, everybody's throwing up, it's, it's wonderful. And uh, <laughs> for the people that haven't gotten it. But everywhere you go, you see, get a flu shot here. Every CVS, every Walgreens, every doctor's office get a flu shot. When you go in to get a flu shot, what happens? They give you just enough of the flu. <laughs> then you become immune to it. That's the goal of the flu shot. That's a lot of us what our walk with Jesus is like. We said, Jesus, man. I would love to get out a free hell card. Every once in a while, I pass it over like my two dollars, but like that's all I really want. I just want, I want just enough. Listen, Jesus, I'm gonna live my life how I want to live it, when I want to live it, the way I want to live it. I'm gonna say what I want to say. And I'm gonna do what I want to do. Periodically, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little bit back. I might show up at church. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'll speak some Christianese. You know. I might give you an hour to serve like once every six months. I might show up to your City periodically. Just to show face. Like, man, I gave it to God, you know what? I gave 15 minutes this week. I mean, if, if you're really feeling good, you might drop five bucks in an offering plate. Because we have we have just enough. But we're kind of inoculated. We're kind of numb to the thing. God. <coughs> We're missing out on that. The reality of what He really wants to do inside of us. There's a story in Mark chapter 12, and uh, it's always just kind of wrapping And it's this moment where uh, Jesus is he's talking with some religious people, people who understand and know the law and uh, and Jesus kind of poses this question to him. He says, man, what's 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 the greatest commandment, you know? And, and one of the guys replies, man, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus kind of just looks at this guy he gave a great answer. That was, that was the correct answer, man. A lot of us, we have all the right answers. I don't know. Bless the time, man. We got it. We got to let go. <laughs> Jesus looks at him and said, man, he said, I saw the answer wisely. That's what he said. He said, you know, I got far from the kingdom of God.
so close. The change that you need. Because the greatest change you need is Jesus. But yet, so far away. And I don't want any person to walk out of here and, 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 and say, hey, man, I was church, you know. I, I knew I knew when to sing some songs and when to raise my hands and laugh at some coin jokes. But you didn't know the true power and wisdom and grace and mercy and justice and love of our Heavenly Father. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.